As you know, our speaker this morning for convocation is Joe Lichty, a PJCS professor here on campus. This semester I'm taking Religion, Conflict, and Peace with Joe, and though I've had him in class before, I realized during the first class period of this semester just how famous and well-loved he is here at Goshen. He asked everyone to go around and talk about why they wanted to take the class, and a good percentage of people responded by saying that they hadn't had an opportunity to take a class with Joe yet, and they'd heard so much about them, so then they followed that up with something about how the class sounded interesting. Now, Religion, Conflict, and Peace is a great class, and it's certainly an interesting and important topic, but I'm pretty sure most of them are just excited to have Joe in class. I could go on for a long time about all the great things about Joe, but since he told me how much he hates being introduced, I'll be nice and keep this short. Joe is a fantastic prof and an all-around great person. He worked for a lot of years in Northern Ireland, and anyone who's taken a class with him knows he has this amazing ability to pull out a story to illustrate just about any point he could ever want to make. The truth is that Joe is not only very wise, but genuine and has a profound impact on most everyone he encounters. I can honestly say Joe has probably been the most influential person in my own life during my time at Goshen. So we're lucky to, has, to have him as a professor here and to have him as our speaker today. Well, I'm going to get that Northern Ireland story out of the way right away here. Um, Things that really matter to me, I tend to embed in stories, and these stories come to take on a larger significance in my mind. On the matter of hospitality and home, outsiders and insiders, strangers and welcome, family, guests, hosts, one of my most valued stories concerns a morning tea break at the Irish Interchurch Center, 48 Elmwood Avenue, Belfast, Northern Ireland. The morning tea break is an all but sacred and inviolable institution in Northern Ireland, so in Ireland generally, so there we are. I'm guessing maybe 15 of us from a few organizations. Some people are just acquaintances, others have been my friends for many years. People are talking in different clusters and I go over to get another cup of tea. For a moment then, I'm on the outside watching the others and it occurs to me, wow, I am really the odd one out here. In fact, I'm the odd one out at least three times over. I'm the only uh, Mennonite among the mostly Presbyterians, Anglicans, and Catholics. I'm an American among the Irish, and I'm the only one who comes from Dublin in a room full of people living in Belfast. I'm the odd one out, I think, and I'm completely at home. And that was to me a sacred moment alive with significance, and I felt a deep contentment. So when I came back to Goshen five years ago, the baggage I brought with me included this conviction that it's a good thing. It's a condition to be desired, to be the odd one out and completely at home. But now my personal circumstances were altered radically. They were turned around pretty much 180 degrees from odd one out to insider. In a Mennonite institution, I am a Mennonite by conviction and by family background who has worked for Mennonite Mission Network for 24 years, since shortly after leaving college. In an American institution, I'm an American, although I at least complicate this one a little bit by being a citizen of Ireland as well. And as for Goshen College, well, I am so Goshen College that not only my parents, but my wife's parents graduated from Goshen College in the same year. Match that. 
I'm so Goshen College that my first home was a Goshen College dormitory because my parents were res resident directors. I'm so Goshen College that my dad basically never worked anywhere else. <laughs> well, nine months with a brother, but anyway, we'll skip over that. Uh, uh, started out as Chad Coleman, then moved on to be Lana Rohrer Beck, Bill Bourne, and Shar Hostetler, successively, not all at once. Um, and so you may be able to guess where I went to college. To my credit, I did visit another school my senior year of high school. Yes, I really spread my wings and flew all the way for a visit to another Mennonite college, Bethel in Kansas, before doing the right thing. <laughs> now it's 2003. I'm coming back to Goshen, and while no one ever ceases to be the odd one out in some way or on some occasions, in most of the big ways, I'm an insider. So now what do I do about home issues? When I did my interview day at Goshen in April 2003, one thing they asked me to do was a public lecture on my vision for peace studies at Goshen College. And among other things, I told the story about tea at Elmwood Avenue, about being the odd one out and completely at home. And I said that this is something I would desire for every student in the peace, justice, and conflict studies program that regardless of the way in which they might know themselves to be different, to be outsiders, that they should feel entirely at home. Since then, at the start of a new semester, I usually tell my students about the tea break epiphany, and I say that this class succeeds only if you feel free to be as different as you want to be, as different as you need to be, and you are also completely at home. And I say this knowing that in Goshen's long history, we have sometimes succeeded marvelously. People from many backgrounds and places have experienced Goshen as a home where they could be themselves. And I know that sometimes people just get through Goshen all right, but too often they've felt their difference as distancing, and Goshen never really felt like home. And I know that sometimes we fail pretty spectacularly. So now I put the question to us collectively. How are we doing? And I put the question to each of you individually. How are you doing here at Goshen? When you imagine yourself saying the words, I'm the odd one out and completely at home, does it feel like it's already true? Like it could be true? Like maybe it's starting to become true? Like it's just about the opposite of the truth? like it's pretty much a complete farce? Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the issues we need to consider and work on if we want everyone to be able to say, I'm the odd one out and I'm completely at home. A first point, notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying I'm the odd one out, but I'm completely at home. I'm saying I'm the odd one out and I'm completely at home. Uh, okay, pretty nerdy point maybe, but I think it matters. If, if I say, but, that implies that odd one out is the problem to be overcome and completely at home is the desirable remedy to the problem. When I say and, I mean to be saying that both of these things are desirable. We need to be different, we need to be at home and especially they are desirable when we can make them work, to work together. It gets complicated because sometimes I will want to stress one and sometimes the other, but we need both. We need to be different we need to be at home. 
This can sound a little abstract, so this is the spot where I was going to do an odd one out call out to illustrate some of the issues involved. Now, breathe a sigh of relief. You may thank my wise third colleagues for sparing you this because when I asked them whether this was a good idea, they tried to say politely that no, it wasn't. I've, I've accepted their counsel on, on this occasion. It's not a precedent I want them to get used to. Uh, so instead of a literal call out this morning, we're going to do a virtual call out. What I would have done might have gone something like this. And think about the kinds of difference these call out categories represent. Stand up if you're from Ohio from Asia, from Goshen. Stand up if you're an immigrant or the child of immigrants. Stand up if you're an undocumented immigrant. Stand up if you're from a high school larger than Goshen College. Stand up if you went to a high school where you and your family were the only Mennonites. Stand up if you're an Alana student, meaning African-American, Latino, Asian-American, or Native American. Stand up if you didn't have any idea what Alana meant until I just explained it. Stand up if you're never really sure which box to tick on those forms that ask for your racial or ethnic identity. Stand up if you're from a city over a million. Stand up if you're raised on a farm. Stand up if you're Catholic, if you're atheist, if you're Pentecostal, if you're Muslim, if your church belongs to the conservative Mennonite conference. Stand up if you're vegetarian. Stand up if you're a lapsed vegetarian. Stand up if you've got what is regarded as a traditional Mennonite name, the likes of Miller, Yoder, Kaufman, Detweiler, Troyer, Berkey, that sort of thing. But you're not Mennonite. Stand up if you're Mennonite, but don't have a traditional Mennonite name. Stand up, carefully here, stand up if you're Russian Mennonite, not Swiss Mennonite, and you're kind of irritated that I only name Swiss Mennonite names, not Russian Mennonite names. <laughs> stand up if until this very moment you never had the faintest idea that there were traditional Mennonite names, let alone separate Swiss and Russian ones. Stand up if you're a Republican, if you're an anarchist, if you're a communist, if you're libertarian. Stand up if you're a military veteran. Stand up if you're Mennonite and have an ancestor who served in the military. Stand up if you have an ancestor who was imprisoned for refusing to serve in the military. Stand up if you're a first-generation college student, meaning your parents and ancestors haven't gone, first in your family line to go. Stand up if your great-great-grandparents went to Goshen College. So on. My virtual call-out has two main points. First, note that if I didn't get everyone virtually standing at some point, it's only because you didn't want to stand or I didn't get the categories right. And in fact, everyone is in the minority in some ways, at some points, in some settings. Second, notice that the different ways of being the odd one out can carry different levels of risk or cost and that one test of how at home I am is how much risky difference I feel comfortable revealing to others. What I'm after, GC needs to be a place where each of you, each of us, feels free to be as different as we want to be, as different as we need to be, and at the same time, we are completely at home. That's point one. How are you doing individually? How are we doing together? Second main issue is, if GC is to be a home, home implies host. 
Who's the host at GC? Who are the guests at GC? One obvious line of thinking would be, well, this is an institution overseen by the Mennonite Board of Education. 80% of faculty are required to be Mennonite, and a majority of students are Mennonite. So the Mennonite church, Mennonite tradition, that's the host. And to the extent that you identify, you're a host. To the extent that you don't identify, well, then you're a guest. But I don't think so. Let me explain why. But before I do that, I'm going to make a parenthetical remark. When thinking about the things I'd like to say today, I imagine that I would say both what the Mennonite church and tradition is not in relation to Goethean College and something about what it is. That proves to be too ambitious, so for today I'm confining myself to this single point. I don't think the Mennonite church, the Mennonite tradition, is the host at Goshen College. So now I'm back to explaining why I think that. Goshen College is to be a home, it needs to be occupied by a family. The Goshen College family is made up of teaching faculty, staff, administration, and you, the students. When you are making your decision about where to go to college, Goshen doesn't say to you, you need to be Mennonite. We say, if you would like to be part of an institution shaped by a particular set of core values, if you have liked the feel of the place as you've experienced it through visits, reading, talking to people, if you're willing to embrace certain standards of behavior, then you are very welcome. And I don't know how this policy arose exactly. I don't know if it was always the ideal or if some Goshen College leaders long ago entertained fantasies of an institution that would be 100% pure Mennonite in its students, profs, staff, administrators. And then today's result is the result of a grudging compromise. I hope that GC always wanted some version of the current policy. And if that's not the case, I'm glad we arrived at it anyway. Every year, uh, practically every day, I have reason to think how impoverished my classes would be without the contribution of students from other faith traditions, no faith tradition. Every year, I have reason to be so grateful for faculty colleagues from other churches. Faculty retreat this past August was very good, it was really important, but it was also tough, honest, and sometimes emotional as we addressed the challenges of lower enrollment. And already in that moment, I was thinking about how blessed Goshen is by the commitment and the contribution of faculty members from other churches as they made those contributions in that setting. And looking back while preparing this convo, I recall immediately contributions from a Catholic nursing prof, the Pentecostal athletic director, Catholic education prof, the Pentecostal director of multicultural affairs, and sorry, colleagues from other traditions, I'm sure it wasn't just the Pentecostals and Catholics, but that's what came to mind around midnight last night. So I, I digress there, but I hope in a relevant way. But I did digress, uh, digress, and I left you, the student, standing there having considered the evidence and opted for Goshen College. And this is what I want to stress. Having made that decision for Goshen College, the very first day you turn up to study here, your family, when you came on a prospective student visit, you were a guest, but now you're not. Now you're family. Guests are all the people who find their way onto this campus for one reason or another, and they're valued, but you're not a guest anymore. You're family. And because you're family, you are also a host. And from day one, you may be called on to act as a host, even if it's something as simple as directing a visitor to a building that you only discovered that morning yourself. So if GC is a home, Who's the host? Every member of the family is a host. 
Some of you may have noticed growing up, however, that this family business isn't necessarily nonstop love, peace, and understanding, and that certainly applies to the Goshen College family as well. Families need to work at being good families, or they can do as much damage as they do good. And Goshen College isn't just any family, of course. It's a particular kind. It's an adoptive family that you have decided to join, and it's a family that shifts a little bit every year in all its parts. 25% of students change and significant numbers of profs, administrators, and staff. So in light of various Goshen College family traditions, practices, values, we're always needing to reconsider consider, and ingest just what it means for us to be family, what our particular role may be in the family. And that's especially challenge, challenging for new students. And whatever I say about each of you being a member of the family from day one, I understand that you sometimes may feel far more lost, dazed, and distant than you feel at home. You need to figure out how this family works and how you fit. And you need to figure out how to be a host. So my third issue is how do all of us, those new to the GC family and those who've been part of it for a long time, how do we work at being family? What resources do we have for becoming a better family? Good answer would be long and complex, but I'm just going to name three simple things, simple resources that I think are essential. The first resource is, uh, I hope you aren't tired of it already, this term, but uh, it, it is, in fact, Goshen College's five core values, if you get out your pens and, uh, yeah. Um, and we've had these explicitly formulated for less than 10 years, I think, and I consider that to be one of the most important developments in Goshen's 114-year history. Goshen has always had some difficulty, maybe a lot of difficulty, agreeing on who we are and then explaining it to others. And yet the core values are at long last an answer to the question of who we are that has huge buy-in from profs and administrators. And at the same time, these core values speak in a language that is accessible to many. Because of this, the core values provide a framework for conversation between people with various commitments, people from various traditions. That conversation will be rich, vital, and necessary because the core values can be interpreted in a whole variety of ways. Here's how Mennonites interpret the core values. Your tradition may share all of them and yet have a different take. Great. This can just be such a great conversation. So the five core values are, are crucial at home building. Second necessary resource for becoming a better family is honesty, truth telling, even when it's hard. And I know that what I've named is an ideal. Everyone who commits to GC is a member of the GC family and therefore a host and not a guest. And I also know that some of you will pick up the message from time to time or regularly, subtly or in your face, that to be a real and full member of this family, you really need to be a Mennonite. And when you hear that message, we all need to know about it if we're going to be a better family. And that means that Goshen College needs to provide ways to hear you when you've picked up the message that you don't really belong. We profs need to provide ways in our classrooms when we, to, for, to hear you when we've managed to send that message. But even when the opportunities to speak are there, it's always going to take some courage to be honest, and we all need to summon that courage. Third resource for becoming a better family is, to put it bluntly, simplistically, naively, love. 
Because, you know, if I have not love, I am nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and all my vaunted honesty and truth-telling are reduced to a weapon for clattering my opponents over the head. Love has so many expressions that I'm going to highlight the importance of generosity of judgment. Goshen College is very important to me. Mennonite is just what I am. So it's really easy for me to get defensive when those things are criticized. I need the generosity of judgment to believe that these criticisms are made out of love, out of a concern that GC be the best family it can be. And as a prof, I need your generosity of judgment because there are so many ways to screw up this business of giving people the freedom to be both as different as they need to be and completely at home. Let's imagine, for example, that you are the only Catholic in one of my classes. The day that I think it would just be so great to hear a Catholic perspective on this issue may be the day that you're thinking, why am I always called on to represent Catholics? The day that I barrel on through as if all right-thinking people agree on this topic may be the day that you'd really like to express another viewpoint. So becoming a better GC family is going to require generosity of judgment on the part of all of us. Finally, I really think that becoming a better GC family is going to require an odd one out and completely at home anthem, a hospitality song. And quickly before Paul Keim tries to write one, I'm going to announce the contest for selecting this hospitality song and claim the privilege of making the first nomination. And the first nominee is a piece of Irish and American fusion music Mary J. Blige's version of U2's One, with a little help from Bono and U2. A lot of people have recorded one. I especially love versions by the Cowboy Junkies and Johnny Cash, and U2 aren't that bad either. But I can't imagine how anybody could invest this song with greater passion than Mary J. Blige has done, and it's a song worthy of that investment. Starts out as a love song, and in fact, one love, one life is initially identified with one need in the night, which is not where we're going, so get that off your minds. But, <laughs> but like so many U2 songs, this one is headed someplace much, much larger. I love this song for the confession of shared failure. Well, we hurt each other, then we do it again. I love it for the acknowledgement of self-righteousness. Have you come to raise the dead? Have you come here to play Jesus to the lepers in your head? And I love it for naming hypocrisy. You say love is a temple, love is a higher law. You ask me to enter, well, then you make me crawl. But above all, I love it for that ringing affirmation of one life, but we're not the same. We're not the same, we get to carry each other. I guess you could say the song starts out as a love song and ends up as another kind of a love song. So that's my nomination. You can send your nominations to the odd one out and completely at home anthem selection committee. That would be uh, Uchax, uh, composed of the president's cabinet, the volleyball team, and the board of directors of the Eli Lilly Foundation, with uh, CITL director Rebecca Hernandez presiding and casting the tie-breaking vote should that be necessary. Have a listen to my nominee, then you are dismissed to go forth and figure out how to make GC a family in which, in which each of us is free to be as different as we want to be, as different as we need to be, and we're all completely at home. <laughs>